You guys thought Pastor Glenn was preaching today because of the notes, huh? Gotcha. And because I'm not using my computer. I know. It's weird. I'm actually kind of uncomfortable with it. No, it's good. You didn't know it did this, did you? It's advertisement. No, excuse me. How's everybody doing? It's good to see you. I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, it's good to be in the house. It's, uh, it's very, this is, this is for me. Um, man, I think it's because Rachel did How Great Thou Art. Every time, man, I'll tell you what, I, I just, it's, it's sweet. It's, it's, it's incredibly inconvenient for me. But it's just the Holy Spirit just comes on me, and I just feel all teary and weepy. So, sorry, I guess. I'll probably go there. I, mean, I cried a lot putting this message together, too. It's a lot of sensitive stuff we're going to talk about today. Do you have, does everybody have the notes? If you don't have the notes, the usher, put your hand up and leave it up. And one, uh, Karen's got some notes here. And, um, uh, yeah, a few over here, and she'll get you some. There's like 13 pages, so... Um, we're in the 10 days of awe, uh, so I prepared 10 days worth of messages so that we could get through all of them, and it will be awe some. All right. Everybody got them? Oh, thank you, Glenn. Well, that's a good problem to have, running out of notes. I even made more than usual. All right, let's pray, and we'll get into this. Lord, thank you for... Worship, God. Thank you, God, that you've made it so easy for us to come before you and, and just tell you about who you are and how great you are and uh, just sing about, uh, we sing about who you are. We also sing about who we are, Lord. And just as a reminder, God, we just give you all praise, God. Even, if, even right now as we continue to open, we just open your word, we talk about some, some really important, uh, critically important things, some tough things. Father, would you just continue to move uh, through us uh, with a heart of worship, adoration. And all, we truly are in the 10 days of awe that we, would, that we would look at you and gaze on you in awe. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Are you allowed to talk about politics in church? Come on. You are. Um, listen, today's... I titled this, The Issues, the Bible, and the Elections. Does God really care if I'm voting Republican or Democrat? Have you guys heard, a you may have heard me say this in the past, so I repent to you if you have, um, and if you haven't heard it, I've never said it. But, uh, <laughs> but have you ever heard uh, you know, a pastor, a leader, anyone really get up and say, God doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat? How many of you have heard that? Since when does God not care about some aspect about you? Of course he cares. He cares about everything. Right? It's like, what does he? Does God care if I love my wife? Of course he does. Does God care if I how I uh, if I cheat on my taxes? Yes. Well, of course God cares if I'm. It's just part of it's part of who we are. He cares about all of who we are. So I, the oh, God doesn't care if you're a Republican or a Democrat. It's like the parting line for Excuse City. I'm like. That's just, I mean, and I've said it before, so I'm repenting. I mean, God definitely cares. My reason for saying it was we'll just avoid talking about the differences. 
You know why? We've enjoyed, yeah, come on, we've enjoyed in our, we've enjoyed in our nation over the past several decades, we've enjoyed the opportunity to not have to talk too much about it. Because we've enjoyed not very much infringement. We've enjoyed not too much rub with policies that have been handed down. There's been some, but 10, 15 years ago, there started to be a lot more. And within the last five years, we've seen even more. And now we're at a point where followers of Jesus, churches, pastors have to make decisions. Do you continue to just kind of, everything's puppies and rainbows? Or do you talk about it? What would Jesus do? Jesus was a little bit political. He talked about it. Someone told me one time they had a great heart behind them and they loved me a lot. But they told me that the only real way to preach is, is a way that's called expository preaching, which is, which is what we call like verse-by-verse verse preaching. So basically the only way to preach is to say we're going to go through the book of Genesis, and so we just verse-by-verse, verse, we hit everything. Now, I, I like that. I like teaching that way. It's fun for me because you get to, I mean, you, it's, you don't have to like think, where am I going to go? You just go, and then, you, and then you go, Lord, what are you saying about this? Um, but their point was that if I preach topically, I'm out of God's will and not connected with his heart. And, I, and so I carried that around for years. This is before I came to Texas. I carried that around for years thinking that if I preached topically, I was some sort of heretic. And I sat down with my mentor, Charles Patterson. Many of you know him, great man of God. And I told him that, and he goes, well, you know, Nate, Jesus only preached topically. <laughs> I was like, like seriously in that moment it was just like these bricks were just like off of me and I was like and I started thinking of every message I could remember Jesus preaching I was like yeah every single one of them he spoke to the issues of the day every time he opened his mouth he walked into a room and the messages that we call we call Jesus's messages the things that he said he spoke to the people that were in front of him based on what was going on around them and what he had to offer that could help them through it every single time did you know that it was new information to me about six years ago. So, yay. Thanks, Charles. <laughs> Thanks for the freedom. So, uh, I'm just going to read this first paragraph here. Jesus always addressed the issues of the day or even the hour. He never backed down from speaking the whole truth in love. Pastor Glenn just said that earlier. Regardless of the audience or consequence, be wildly irresponsible of us to avoid learning about the important issues and decisions that our nation is facing in the upcoming elections. We must know and agree with God's heart for the upcoming elections. Know and agree with what his word says about the issues that are at hand. How many of you know 2 Timothy 3.16? It says that all scripture is God-breathed and it's profitable for doctrine, reproof, correction, and instruction in righteousness. How many of you believe that? That God, all scripture is God-breathed, all of it. Half of you believe it. The rest of you need to get into Rith 101 because it was the first thing we All you Rith 101ers are like, <laughs> Nate. Right here. It's the first thing we covered today. All scripture is God breathed. Amen. We're going to cover some scripture today and cover a few other things too. Um, so, what this isn't is a Republican versus Democrat for the sake of Republican versus Democrat conversation. Okay? This isn't political hatred. This isn't coming down on individuals. It's definitely not coming down on individuals. We understand what spirits are at work. Um, but what this is, is, and this is also not much of uh, my opinion, 
these are, what I'm going to do is I'm going to present um, having to do with three different topics, abortion, marriage and gender, and religious liberty. I'm going to present what the, the two different platforms say about both and present what God's platform says about all three of those things and then what we can do with that information. So now you know where we're going. Let's just get there. All right, everybody okay on board? Okay, good. So these are direct, like I changed nothing, direct quotes um, from the 2020 Democratic platform. Um, these, are, these are, you can just Google search it and the, the entire PDF comes up, but make sure you have enough time if you're gonna read the whole thing because each one of them is like 26 or 30,000 words or something, so it takes a minute to get through them. Having to do with abortion, let me stop right there for just a second. It's, if, it's okay, I'm giving myself permission here, but it's okay if this affects you. <clears throat> it should affect you. If you haven't seen the movie Unplanned, you should go see it. You'll probably hate it. That's good. That's good. All right. Just give me a sec. Also, before I talk about abortion, if you're in this room or you're listening online and, and you've had an abortion or paid for one or, or uh, asked someone that you were with to get one, 100% forgiveness available in Jesus. Total freedom. If you're in this room and you've had an abortion, don't you listen to one ounce of shame that the enemy tries to speak into your ear. Once you've repented and moved past it, that's where it stays in the past. All right. Whew, okay. This is from their this is from their platform on abortion. It says Democrats are committed to protecting and advancing reproductive health, rights, and justice. We believe unequivocally, like the majority of Americans, and I need to stop right there and just point out that that's actually a false statement. So but we, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go into that too much, but did need to highlight that. This is a quote. I wasn't just gonna take it out. <laughs> that every woman should have access to quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion. We will continue to stand up to Republican efforts to defund Planned Parenthood health centers. We believe that safe abortion must be part of comprehensive maternal and women's health care and included as part of America's global health programming. Their platform... <clears throat> doesn't go into explaining, the Republican platform does, we'll see in a minute, but it doesn't go into explaining all that, that they're covering when they say that they're supporting safe and legal abortion. They're supporting dismemberment, where they tear babies apart. It needs to be said. Sorry, that's why I'm saying it. 
partial birth abortion, where the baby is partially delivered and then has their spinal cord severed. Gender selection abortion, and what I'll call ethnic cleansing, where they abort babies that have disabilities. Okay. We were just presenting the facts here. We'll get to a point. Mar on marriage and gender, direct quotes. Democrats applaud the decision by the Supreme Court that recognized that LGBT people, like other Americans, have the right to marry the person they love. But there is still much work to be done. Democrats will fight for the continued development of sex discrimination law to cover LGBT people. We support a progressive vision of religious freedom that respects pluralism and rejects the misuse of religion to discriminate. I'm gonna explain what that means in a second, but <clears throat> I'm gonna stop right here also and say, if you struggle with homosexuality or maybe you're here and you identify as a homosexual this morning, it doesn't mean that we don't love you or that God doesn't love you. And if you know people that are struggling with homosexuality, I hope you know that a kind, that it's, or that it's his kindness that leads them to repentance, um, not a threat of hell, not uh, any sort of, any sort of um, kind of putting them to the side and pushing them away and treating them secondary. Um, that is, that is absolutely, it's not how you were won over by the Holy Spirit, and it's not how we're going to win people over. We welcome people here into these walls that are struggling with any and every sin, any and every day of the week. We do call it sin, or we absolutely, and I said this in our Rith 101 class this morning, you've heard it said that you, you, you hate the sin and you love the sinner, and Christians suck at that. They really do, because you can't, you can't separate the two. I mean, some people can, but generally speaking, you just can't separate them. The, especially when a sin is appalling to you. It appalls you so much that you end up neglecting the person. And so you actually have to go above and beyond to make sure that that's not what's happening. So that's not what we're talking about here. But when, um, when they write here that they'll fight for continued development of sex discrimination law to cover LGBT people and that they support a progressive vision of religious freedom that respects pluralism, meaning we need to just we need to just, as a church, accept that anyone else's beliefs are okay and are equally as weighty as ours. And every is basically a, your truth is relative. What's your truth? Is it relative? Oh, it's, it's your truth. All truth is truth. And rejects the misuse of religion to discriminate. What this means is that they're going to fight to where when someone comes to me or they, they come to Pastor Glenn and they say, hey, we're homosexual. We'd like you to marry us. And we say, well, we can't do that. Well, that means that if, if they succeed in their fight, that we'll get sued um, for discrimination, that the church could get sued for discrimination, and that, I mean, we could potentially go to jail for hate speech and for all these things. It means that if a homosexual couple comes and they want to join River in the Hills, and we say, we would love for you to join River in the Hills, we, be, you know, we believe you're in sin, uh, that the same, the same outcome that I just, that I just expressed. The thing is, is that if a couple came to River in the Hills and they're a heterosexual couple and they're living together, we would give them the same exact instruction that we gave the homosexual couple. <laughs> it's it's any, any extra biblical sexual activity. I mean, uh, I mean extramarital, sorry. Extra biblical also, but extra, extramarital. 
That's when the Holy Spirit puts words in your mouth. We will work to, second paragraph, we will work to ensure and guarantee transgender students access to facilities based on their gender identity. We will ensure that all transgender and non-binary, non-binary means um, people that don't wish to be identified as male or female, or sometimes they'll describe it as they don't know if they're male or female. Um, that's what that means if you haven't heard that before. People can procure uh, official government identification documents that accurately reflect their gender identity. We'll stop employment discrimination in the federal government and we'll restore full implementation of President Obama's executive order prohibiting discrimination by federal contractors on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. This means that if <clears throat> we're having a uh, women's Bible study and we're looking for a, just I'm just putting in the context of the church, and we need a female to lead this. If a transgender person comes in under these laws, they will be able to legally get their, their gender changed on their ID, driver's license. And so a person that was born a man with man parts decides that he's going to be a woman now, so he goes and gets a driver's license, says he's a woman, and when he comes in and says, I'd like to lead this, and we're like, oh, we're actually looking for a woman. I am a woman. No, you're not. You're a man. No, I am a woman. Look, it says you have to let me apply because I'm a woman. That's what, that's what we're up against. This is also giving um, boys, if your kids are in school, this is also a push to make schools, uh, the boys' bathrooms uh, available to girls who think they're boys and the girls' bathrooms available to boys who think they're girls or who want to be a girl. So you're going to have opposite sexes in elementary school, middle school, and high school able to go in um, and where, where privates are exposed. This is what it is. I'm not going to pull a punch. This is, this is what we're up against. On the basis of religious liberty, the quote, we will reject the Trump administration's use of broad religious exemptions to allow businesses, medical providers, social service agencies, and others to discriminate. You can just cross out and others and write the church. That's what's meant there. Um, yeah, so it, it, the church is covered in there. Um, you've noticed that through the COVID-19 stuff that's been going on the last few months, that in more uh, democratic or liberal states, uh, there's been a direct overreach from government entities, whether it be state, uh, county, or local, to shut down churches specifically. Uh, you guys all know that. It's, it's in the news. and so, some, some of what you hear on social media, there's a lot of just stuff that flies around, and there's hate, and there's, there's you know, just so much junk. But the, the facts are the facts. Um, and the facts are that, uh, that they want to remove uh, the, uh, any sort of exemption. So if you guys noticed in Texas, when Governor Abbott laid down, exemption, or, uh, he laid down guidelines for COVID-19, he laid down some... Um, uh, more rules or ordinances and then lay down guidelines. When, whenever any of those were laid down, there was always a church exception. Here's the exception for the church because of the religious liberties that were allowed. And he said, and he said, and the church is exempt, but here's some guidelines that we think might help you. Like if you need them, here's some help. And, and that we're very thankful for. We're very thankful to live in a state with a leader who did that. Um, some others are not so fortunate and, and what, what this says here is that they would like to federalize what, uh, what um, liberal states have already done. They'd like to make that a federal mandate uh, where, where there would be, uh, the president would be able to reach in and, and shut down um, whatever, whatever they want. Does that make sense? I hope so. 
All right, same three topics. These are direct quotes from the 2020 Republican platform, which, if you're interested, is identical to the 2016 Republican platform. They just decided to carry it. They said, goals are still the same. It's good. There's something to be said about consistency, I guess. Yeah, thank you. All right, on abortion. <clears throat> All right. <laughs> one, th- one thing I want to say real quick. You know, we got Ruth Bader Ginsburg died on Friday. Um, if you didn't know that, <laughs> now you do. Um, if you don't know who she was, she was the Supreme Court Justice, um, among other things in her life. Uh, but that's, that's what she was when she passed away. And there's so much, so much junk that I've read on the news that's going around in, in both ways, you know. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't agree with really anything that she did ever, maybe. Um, and, uh, but I also know that, that I know that I don't hate her. I really don't. A couple reasons. One, she's got, I'm not called to hate people. <laughs> And uh, the other is that she's Jewish, right? And the other is that, she, that God created her. And so who am I to bash God's creation? But I also know that what spirit was at work behind what was motivating her decisions and the things that she fought for. I told the class this morning that I tried to, the Lord has challenged me to be able to call out gold in anyone. And I was like, Lord, I need help. And it took me, it took me, through the night, I couldn't do it right when I heard the information, but the next day, I went, she fought very hard for her convictions. And, that, and it was good. That was gold. But just because she died and that she was one of the main proponents of you know, backing things like pedophilia and abortion and all these things, um, it doesn't mean that we can go, oh, finally. Okay, now it's going to be easier. Go, no, 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 double down. Pray more, fast more, intercede more, tell more people. Double down. All right. The Constitution's guarantee that no one can be, quote, deprived of life, liberty, or poverty deliberately echoes the Declaration of Independence's proclamation that all, everybody say all, all. are endowed by their creator, with the inalienable right to life. Accordingly, we assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution. That means that they support having an amendment written where it'll actually explain when life begins, which is at conception, because that's the arguing point. Okay, so when they murder a baby, they say it wasn't alive. So they say, okay, we'll write an amendment that says, yes, it is. Uh, I lost my spot. (laughs) We support, uh, oh yeah, okay. We will not fund or subsidize health care that includes abortion coverage. We support the appointment of judges who respect traditional family values and the sanctity of innocent human life. We call on Congress to enact a ban on any sale of fetal body parts. You should read this entire thing. It's hard to read. I only put sections of it in here. We support state and federal efforts against the cruelest forms of abortion.
especially dismemberment abortion procedures in which the babies are literally torn limb from limb. We call on Congress to ban sex selection abortions and abortion based on disabilities, discrimination in its most lethal form. We're proud to be the party that protects human life and offers real solutions for women. You can't convince me that God doesn't care about that. All right, <clears throat> marriage and gender. The cornerstone, I really loved what I read here. <laughs> the entire thing, uh, it, just, it really went into biblical values. I mean, just, I was surprised, actually. It covered, I mean, it was like, oh my gosh, did they get this right out of Scripture? It was very good. I'll put, there's a few quotes here. The cornerstone of family is natural marriage, the union of one man and one woman. We oppose policies and laws that create a financial incentive or encourage cohabitation, uh, not, just, not just relating to uh, homosexual um, cohabitation, but they're actually, they're, Republicans are actually saying like, no, we stand for like, if a man and woman are going to live together, they need to be married. I was like, come on, preach that. We, our laws and our government's regulations should recognize marriage as the union of one man and one woman and actively promote married life as the basis of a stable and proper, prosperous society. For that reason, as explained elsewhere in this platform, we do not accept the Supreme Court's redefinition of marriage, and we urge its reversal, whether through judicial reconsideration or a constitutional amendment returning control over marriage to the states. I love that. They, they, it's, it's so clear. They also in here, um, in their wording, are opposing polygamy, right? That's why they say one man and one woman. All right, we'll keep going. On religious liberty. Ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, and institutions of faith to transgress their beliefs are part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and drive it from the public square. As a result, many charitable religious institutions that have demonstrated great success in helping the needy have been barred from receiving governmental grants and contracts. Government officials threaten religious colleagues and colleges and universities with massive fines and seek to control their personal decisions. Places of worship for the first time in our history have reason to fear the loss of tax-exempt status merely for espousing and practicing traditional religious beliefs that have been held across the world for thousands of years and for almost four centuries in America. We value the right of America's religious leaders to preach and Americans to speak freely according to their faith. Realize here that while our founding fathers had our Christian values in mind, the Republican platform is taking a much more broad look at religion. They're not, they didn't say Christians, right? They said, they said faith leader, religious leaders according to their faith. So this covers everyone, okay? So it's if, to think that we need to ask our government to get rid of Satanists and get rid of, of cults and get rid of, that's not their job. That's our job. <laughs> so, so let's not, you don't, you don't want to, you don't want to say, oh, our government needs to make it to where there's Christians are just like the only church that's allowed to operate anymore. That is not their job. So that with this, with their, their goals, now I understand that 
probably just an assumption. Again, this is the book of Nate. Probably most of them are not really behind the church of Satan. Probably most of them. But they understand that they fall under this exact same category and exemption in love. They understand that. But their faith in God is much bigger than their faith in the government. And so it's actually, it's actually our job as believers. I like what Glenn quoted last week. can't remember the guy's name, but it's about the sign that should be in front of um, the Jeremiah Johnson, in front of every abortion clinic, open by permission of the church. It's the year of the teeth, guys. Oh, Happy New Year, by the way. Shana Tova. Okay. So here's 2020 Bible platform highlights and direct quotes. That was a joke. I like to be a little lighthearted when I can. Notice what I didn't put in here is their position on masks. Okay. <laughs> I know it if you need it, but it's not in here because it's not one of the essential issues. Abortion. Isaiah 44, 24 says, Thus saith the Lord your Redeemer, and he who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord who makes all things, who stretches out the heavens all alone, who spreads abroad the earth by myself. And Exodus 20, verse 1, thou shalt not murder. There's a dozens of other verses we could have put in here. God formed every single one of you. He formed every single one of the 60 million babies that has been brutally murdered. He formed every single one of those in the womb with his hands on purpose, with a destiny, with purpose, with with dreams. They were the joy set before him when he endured the cross. And we're not supposed to take that. That's what the Bible says about it. On marriage and gender. When God created mankind, he made them in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them. He named them mankind when they were created. Genesis 5, 1 and 2. Genesis 2, 24 says, Therefore a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. Leviticus 18, 22 says, You shall not lie with a male as with a woman. It is an abomination. And Romans 1, 24 through 25, it says, Therefore God gave them up to the lust of their hearts, to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves. It's speaking of homosexuality specifically because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. On religious liberty, <clears throat> I'm going to explain this passage, but let me read it first. Matthew 22, 20 through 22 says, and he asked him, Jesus asked them, whose image is this? Oh, I should probably give some context to this before I do that. Somebody comes up and basically is like, Jesus, do we pay taxes or not pay taxes? And so Jesus says, whose image is, the, <clears throat> is on the coin? Whose inscription? And they said, Caesar's. And he said to them, so give back to Caesar what's Caesar's, and to God what's God's. What he's saying there, oh, sorry. When they heard this, they were amazed, so they left him and went away. I don't want to cut off the verse. But basically what he's saying there is Caesar wants your, Caesar wants your, uh, your spiritual allegiance. Don't give him that, but definitely pay taxes to him. You can pay taxes to him. It's his face that's on the coin. He's saying, give your allegiance to God. Give to God what's God's. You give your allegiance, your spiritual allegiance to God, even though Caesar wants it. But you give to Caesar what's Caesar's. So it's this, it's, it's, that's true separation, right? That's, there's no overreach. It's 
God what's, give to Caesar what's Caesar's and give to God what's God's. The, the, the issue now is that there's confusion over which is which and whose is whose. So we have to ask the Holy Spirit for more discernment. John 19, 11, when Jesus, speaking to the leaders that were persecuting and questioning him, he says to them, you would have no authority over me unless it had been given to you from above. As we pray for leaders, and I'm just gonna read the next one too, 1 Timothy 2, 1 through 2, I urge you that prayers be made for kings and all who are in authority in order that they may live a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. You see, government, the place of government, traditionally, biblically, traditionally, and in our history, how it was developed, how our government was developed for the purpose, chief purpose of, of keeping us safe. Foreign threats, even domestic threats, domestic terrorism, things like that. But it's a, that's government's main role. And what, what's happened is that, is, is what's really happened through the years, especially the last 125 or 135 years, is that things that the church used to take care of, like all the socioeconomic issues and all the relationship issues and things like that, the church handed it over to the government. And, uh, and now we have an entity that was never designed to handle these things, trying to handle them, and we have a mess. Um, so in a, in a lot of ways, we've handed over things to them that we weren't carrying anymore because it was inconvenient. And, and now we're saying, well, you're handling it wrong. Now, I understand that no one in this room necessarily handed over anything to the government. I get that. But the church, we, you are part of the church, so you're guilty by association. You're also blessed by association. You, you, get, to, you get to reap the benefits and carry the, the weight of the ones who have gone before us. And so it's our job not to say, well, it's, what's done is done. No, now it's there. Let's just, let's just hang on for Jesus to come back. No. Because our job is to actually work to take back what belongs to the church, okay? And what belongs to the church are issues that the government is currently having to deal with, okay? You, you look at the government and point fingers because they don't know how to handle welfare. The church used to handle welfare. You know, I look at the government, I blame them for the way they're handling the foster care system. That used to be the church's responsibility. We took care of widows and orphans. Things like this that the government was never designed to do, or now they're having to step into it because the church stopped doing it. The way to take it back isn't to say, all right, give it back to us, we'll do good. It's to show that we can handle it. So it's just to start doing it. And then the government goes, because the government's looking for ways to save money, I promise you. And that's, that's their job. Their job is to handle economies of entire nations. That's their job. And so when they look at a situation and they say, why are we dumping billions of dollars in this? The church is already doing it. Let's just, let's just back them up and we'll just let them do what they do. But they're not going to do that until we can prove that we can do it. Just like you're not going to let a brand new employee go work with his own tools until he's demonstrated in front of you that he can do it without cutting his fingers off. It'd be stupid if, you're, if this new guy walks up on your job site. I only know construction and sports metaphors. It'd be stupid if this guy walks up on your job site and he's like, hey, man, just, I can just frame this house. You're like, have you used tools before? Sure. Yeah, and you're like, you know, you know how to read blueprints? Yeah, okay, man. Well, here you go. See you at five, hopefully, right? And you're like, and you come back, and he's bled out on the slab because he doesn't know how to work a skill saw. It, it, it's the same thing. The government, is not, the government is not going to listen to any sized group of people that get before them and says, just turn over, turn over care of all the foster children to the church. They're going to be like, no, no. 
But if the church just starts taking in every single orphan, then there's no need for social services anymore. That's how it works. We blame government for overreach, which they're guilty of sometimes. But oftentimes it's because they're used to having clean up, to clean up messes that they are never designed to have to clean up. So let's just take it a little bit easy. They're actually operating outside of grace for many of these things. The grace to do these things is on the church, but the government's doing it. Is that, does that make sense? Yeah. Instead of pointing fingers, go adopt a baby. Go adopt a couple of them. There's plenty to go around. Did you know that there's actually not enough, there's a, there's a crisis, there's actually not enough kids. If every church in America adopted one, it'd actually run out of kids. Did you know that? One per church, one per church. And some churches take hundreds. I know, it's amazing. I mean, we could, we could cure it in like two years, done. That fast, done. I wasn't even gonna talk about that. All right, last page, I'm closing up. Rachel, you guys come on up. Stay tuned in, this is the application. You don't just listen to everything I said and get mad or Actually, you should get mad. <laughs> Not at me, though. I don't care if, I'm, if you're mad at me. I can take it. But you should definitely get mad at, at the fact that babies are being murdered and that biblical statutes are being assaulted and torn down. That should make you mad. If it doesn't, ask the Lord. It's okay. There's no condemnation. But ask the Lord to help you get mad about the things that make him mad. That is righteous anger. That's the anger that's allowed. Getting mad over what makes him mad and doing something about it. You know, there's been so much hatred flying around in the last couple of weeks. It's been a very interesting week. There's Democratic leaders on social media and, and then out of their own mouths inciting violence and encouraging, encouraging uh, rioting and hatred and, and violence and kill them, burn them. Leaders. I had a vision. Years ago, I was struggling. I think I've shared this, maybe, I think I've shared my home group. Excuse me. Years ago, I was struggling with my beliefs, not rejecting God. I was, you know, I, was, I had held on to these beliefs that where the Holy Spirit, there's no healing and um, there's no, no gifts, uh, no miraculous gifts anymore. And um, that you don't choose to be saved. God chooses you. He condemns some to hell and all these. And there's just a lot of beliefs that are floating out there. And, uh, and then I got filled with the Holy Spirit and I'm trying to make the two mesh. And the truth is that they don't. It be, other than like, we believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and by grace you are saved through faith. We, we have that. But then it, it just start. They just it's kind of oil and waterish after that. And I and I fought for like a year. Well, because I I had so much fear of man. What are people going to think of me if I walk away from these beliefs that people have poured into me? Uh, but but Lord, you've shown me like you're drawing me into your love. And I had this vision. I wasn't asking for it. Remember, I didn't even really believe in visions. So it was it had this vision, not open like a TV, just in my mind's eye. 
instantly, I mean, this whole thing took two seconds. Instantly, I had all these real-life conversations that I had had with other people who believed the way I did previously. Uh, real-life conversations. They actually, you know, and I remembered all, about five or six of them, I remembered them, and every single one of them, there was a spirit of arrogance. And, there, and I'm, again, I'm not saying that everyone in this movement is arrogant. This, this is just my situation. Uh, it, was, it was arrogance. There was pride. There was, there was bashing of other churches. God, there was bashing of other churches, other pastors. Anyone who didn't believe the way they did, they'd tear them down, even say that they're not saved. I've had, I've had these conversations. I've been taught these things. I mean, it's terrible. I'm having bam, 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 bam. Just like that, I see all these things, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And then instantly, five or six real-life conversations that I had with charismatics, and it was love, humility, acceptance, forgiveness. I mean, ah, why'd you do that him? No. <laughs> um, uh, I had this, went before Kaylee and I were married, we were dating. I had this conversation with some friends of her parents, and I was picking a fight with them. Oh my gosh, I was picking a fight. Oh, you know that, and I was such a little turd. <laughs> I, said, I, said, I said, oh, you know you didn't choose to be saved. All oh, just junk. Oh my gosh, can't believe I said it. And, and, and I'm just, ter- oh, you know, God does this, God does that. God gives cancer to people to humble them. And God wants people to die so that he can be glorified. And, all and she's just looking at me. This lady had been to Bethel. And, you know, she's like a pastor. And just, I love her so much. And she, <laughs> she, I'm picking a fight with her. And she goes, I am so encouraged that you're so hungry after God. <laughs> So that flashes before my eyes, you know, that conversation. And I was like, what? Like, it totally disarmed me because a kind answer turns away wrath, if you've heard that. And uh, anyways, so that flashes in a handful of other things. And the fact that I'm dating the daughter of charismatics who... We're not getting out at noon today. Sorry, I always respect the time. You guys know that. I'm dating the daughter of a charismat- of charismatics who used to run with John Wimber and have such heritage with the Lord, and they know that I'm that I'm against it, and they've let me. They've like said yes to me marrying her and stuff. That flashes before my eyes. Anyways, so I have these two two groups. I see all these things, and the Lord speaks to me and He goes, Nate, they're all my kids. I love them all. Which group do you want to be associated with? I never turned back. Spoiler alert, I chose the charismatics, but I've never, and I lost all the respect of every single one of those people that I thought I was going to. And I had people slam me and, and talk behind my back and spread rumors about me and never speak to me again and tell me terrible things about myself and my character, terrible things. <laughs> not crying for me. I'm fine. <laughs> I'm crying for them. And I've never regretted the decision. Here's the point. The point is sometimes it's okay to draw a line and choose a side to stand on. Now more than ever, there is a political line drawn in the sand. And here's what our action steps need to be as followers of Jesus. We have to be informed, number one. Read over the different platforms. I'm telling you, they're books. It'll take you hours to get through them. 
ask questions about the things that aren't clear about the things that you went that sounds a little too political because it, it is you have to get it you have to get to the bottom of it be like the sons of Issachar who, who quote had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do in first Chronicles 12 32 be like the Bereans study get to the bottom number two ask for discernment so you're not deceived re-listen to past messages on not being deceived I heard someone preached one here Maybe you know who that was. In Philippians 1, 9 through 10 says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve things that are excellent. That's why we need discernment. In order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ. And number three, listen to this. We have to do this. Ask the Holy Spirit to convict you about what the most important issues are. Because no one's, there's probably not many people that agree with one platform 100%. You're going to read the platform if you do, if you choose to, and you're going to get to something, you're going to be like, man, I don't want to be taxed like that. Or, you know, there's going to be things that, are, that you don't agree with, that you want to pick and choose. But you have to ask the Holy Spirit what the dividing things are. What are the non-negotiables? What are the essentials? What are the issues that I need to be paying attention to? Personally, I picked out what I believe are maybe the top three today, but there's many more, <laughs> okay? There's many more. You have to ask the Holy Spirit. Safety's one of them. Candidates' tweets and personality and hairstyle and sense of humor are not the important issues. Thus saith the Lord. <laughs> he said something about material stuff, and I didn't have all the verses. It's in there, trust me. Number two, issues have to do with beliefs and ideologies that scripture directly addresses, which it directly addresses all things that we talked about today. Don't be passive and silent. Remember, it's the year of the teeth. All right. Guys. Go ahead and stand. <laughs> I appreciate it. God's good. I understand that mostly I'm preaching to the choir. I understand that. There's a reason for that. Pretty much everybody who you encounter during the week is not the choir. <laughs> preaching to the choir can be easy. Preaching to not the choir can be tough. But you filled with the Holy Spirit, have everything that you need to go love people and to go show them the love of Jesus and to present truth to them. It is not your job to change someone's heart. It is not your job to change someone's mind. Don't try to operate outside of the grace and gifting that you've been given. No, we, we don't have the, I can't do it. Pastor Glenn, we don't change people's hearts. The Lord does that. But don't do what the church has traditionally done. Traditionally, the church says, well, God's the one that does it, so I'm hands off. Traditionally. Not everybody does that, but don't do that. Take what you're armed with now. Make it personal, because we definitely speak about things that are personal to us. 
okay? If you hate abortion enough and it pisses you off enough, thank you. If it does, then you're going to talk about it. Now, you don't, you don't tear down someone's character that believes different than you. But you pray and you pray and you pray and you love and you love and you love and you speak for and stand up for what is right and biblically accurate. So now you're armed with at least something, another tool in your belt to go out and do that. Maybe it's family members, maybe it's coworkers, okay? Not your job to change someone's mind. It's your job to love and demonstrate love. Does that make sense? Let me pray for us so we can be done. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you, God, that your word is so timeless, God, that it, it is applicable to now. Right now, it's alive. It's like you wrote it last night for today because you, you've seen it all. You've done it all. And Lord, I thank you, God, that I'm just gonna say out loud the four most important things. I thank you, Lord, that you're good. I thank you, Lord, that everything was paid for and provided for at Calvary. It's that Jesus' blood paid for everything. Lord, I thank you that nothing is impossible. Everybody say that, nothing is impossible. And I thank you, Lord, that each one in this room is important. And I thank you, Lord, that every unborn baby is important. We give you glory today, God. We give you glory. You're good. Help us to go out and love well. Help us to be able to hate sin and love sinners. Help us to be able, Lord, to, to draw a line and stand on the correct side of it, your side. Give us grace, Lord, in these times that are just so different. We love you so much, and we're so thankful, Lord, for you. In Jesus' name, amen.